Hey everybody, this is Father Christian. Next to me is the most handsomest rabbi you've seen this side of the Jordan River. It is Rabbi Matthew Dick Durbin, and it is good to have him here because today we desperately need our rabbi. Um, as as the Christian world getting ready for Easter, we're gonna be we're getting into a Holy Week. We're gonna be talking about Passover, and we're talking about how Jesus is the Passover Lamb. And do we even know what that means? Do we even know what that means? Well. You found your way to the Priest and Rabbi uh, podcast so you can have this question answered because we have our very own precious and smart and brilliant rabbi who's going to explain to us the significance of Passover to the Jewish people and how that makes us or people who follow Jesus more faithful and more loving. And so uh, Rabbi Durbin, how, how do you feel that today on the show you might be doing a great service to the church? Is that, is that weird? Uh, you know what? It, it, it is not weird um, uh, because this is what, you know, you and I, you know, Father Chris, you know, you and I wanted to uh, to bring together. Father Chris? Isn't that what it is? Christian Chris? No, Chris is short for Christopher. The short name for Christian is is too much to live up to. That's Christ. So, you know, no, Christian is, is great. Let, let's, let's go. Let, let's go we'll, with that. We'll, we'll, just, we'll, just, we'll just keep it with Father Christian. Um, no, I think it, look it, for me it is important um, for you know our brothers and sisters and certainly for those of other faiths like Christianity to you know have a deeper understanding of what it means, what is Passover, um, how is it celebrated, and why is it celebrated? Absolutely. Why is it celebrated? What does it mean? So for you, before we would jump into this episode, ask that question: What does Passover mean to you, whether you're a Jew or a Christian? Um, and, and if you're Muslim, tell us because there's also some biblical crossover there as well. Uh, you could always reach us um, on our Facebook page at uh, um, a Priest and a Rabbi Podcast on Facebook. Just send us a message; we'd love to know what's going on with you. And subscribe to this podcast and share it with some people who would love to get into some Judeo-Christian dialogue. Uh, this is what we're about here. All right, we're going to jump into another episode here on A Priest and a Rabbi. God bless you. A priest, a rabbi, a priest, a rabbi, a priest, a rabbi. The opinions you hear from on this show do not represent WSTU, since they probably regretted overallowing the show on the air in the first place. Nor do they represent Temple Beit Hayam or St. Mary's Episcopal Church, since they also wonder what the heck they did when they called these two men to lead their respective congregations. On that note, sit back, relax, grab your Bible or Torah, and enjoy another episode of A Priest and a rabbi. Good morning, everybody in Stewart, Florida. This is Father Christian from St. Mary's Episcopal Church, right across from the hospital. And right down the street is the best looking rabbi you have seen this side of the Jordan River. It is Rabbi Matthew Durbin from Temple Bahayam. I am so grateful to be here this morning with this guy. If you guys are familiar with the show, we're just a priest and a rabbi talking about relevant topics through a Judeo-Christian lens. We talk about everything from faith to Christina Aguilera. That is the hottest topic right now in Rabbi Durbin's household because he is um, really likes singing her songs. Durbin, can I say any other, other lies this morning about you and your family or no? 
whatever you see fit, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. So as we always start off the show, we talk about the state. Although, although, although the Bible does say thou shalt not uh, uh, bear false witness against uh, against one's friend or one's neighbor. But, you know, you're free to do what you would well, like. Yeah, but, the, you know, there's that Hebrew that talks about sarcasm, too, and how God loves sarcasm and uh, when people can take it. So if you guys are just new to the show, uh, Rabbi Durbin and I love to mess with each other, poke fun at each other, have fun because uh, we do love each other tremendously. And we do love uh, seeing the intersection of Judaism and Christianity. Obviously, um, it's undeniable because Christianity came from Judaism and Jesus is a Jew, born a Jew, circumcised a Jew and died a Jew. Um, but we also sometimes disagree on things, and that makes it for a little more fun on the show. Uh, today, 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 this morning, Rabbi Durbin and I are going to be getting into the season of Passover. And what does that mean uh, for Christians as well? Um, where is that intersectionality, to use a hot buzzword, um, of, these, of, these, of this season? And then we'll also we want to ask, what can a priest like me learn from my rabbi about Passover that can make me a better Christian. And what I mean by better Christian, a more faithful Christian, and a Christian that can love my fellow Jews or my sisters and brothers better. So it's this nice cycle there, right? You rabbi teach me more about Passover, which makes me a more faithful Christian, which then turns me to love my, uh, my Jewish brothers and sisters even better. The circle of life. Um, all right, buddy. So that's going to be our show today. Does, does that sound good to you? Does that does that work for you? Yeah, it works for me. Okay, so guys, I, I, everyone out there who's driving around in your nice Dodge Challengers, cruising to the Stewart, Florida wind, or if you're out in Japan tuning in and you're streaming on our internet, um, uh, you can call in. It's a long distance call though for you. Seven seven two. Two two zero. Two two zero nine seven eight eight. Seven seven. You know, Rabbi Durbin, I almost called you Dick Durbin. Rabbi Durbin, we haven't had a phone call in probably about 12 months. I think our producer, Evan Nine, hangs up on people when they call because he doesn't think we're worthy of a phone call. Is is that what's going on? Is anyone out there? If it is, just give us a call. 772-220-9788. We would love to hear from you. What are your thoughts on Passover? What does it mean to you? If you're a Christian out there, which probably you are because Martin County is like 99% Christian. um, What does it mean to be, to, to celebrate or to know that Jesus was a Jew and celebrated Passover? So let's start there. Let's start there. Okay. So Rabbi Dick Durbin, tomorrow you guys start right passover mm-hmm. yep and, and just as just as a reminder uh you know for our listeners and certainly for us as well you know judaism is always based on a lunar calendar not a solar one as you guys when the gregorian calendar came in and you know we were all based on the cycles of the, the sun as jews we are um very aware of the cycle of the moon which is why our festivals will come in shabbat will come in our days come in in the evening um, through morning, afternoon, and end uh, at sunset. So yes, Passover will come in uh, tomorrow night um, as Jews around the world will celebrate our uh, freedom. Uh, we celebrate uh, uh, the understanding that we were slaves in Egypt um, and with God's help and God's mighty, uh, uh, mighty influence and mighty, mighty hand that God freed us from uh, Egyptian slavery. So it always is that reminder for us uh, as Jews 
uh, what it means to be an oppressed people and certainly not to ever oppress the stranger or others in our midst. So it's kind of this, this culmination. Um, you know, we spoke actually yesterday about, about or, or a couple of days ago about this. Most Jews, however observant or non-observant, it is the one holiday, according to our Pew study that was done probably around 10 years ago, that said an overwhelming majority of Jews celebrate and commemorate Passover together, whether it be as a family, um, together in our homes, right? It may be that, you know, for, for one who may not be an observant Jew who observes or celebrates Shabbat or other festivals or holidays, Passover is the one holiday that as Jews, an overwhelming majority will celebrate in terms of refraining from anything that rises, right? We don't eat leavened bread. We don't eat pasta. We don't eat, you know, depending on one's, um, I mean, those are the standard, but of course, then there, it goes a little bit more specific into other things that we can or cannot eat. Um, you know, so, you're saying that, so you're saying Judaism, that this is the one holiday that is practiced more than any other holiday by families, Jewish families, more, more than Hanukkah? So Hanukkah itself is a little bit different because of its, 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 um, its message, and because, of course, it's about, it's not really about presents, but our kids really galvanize to it. But in terms of a collective coming together, sharing a story, celebrating a meal, and enjoying each other's company through a Seder, and just to give a little bit of background to that term Seder, um, Hebrew is a remarkable language. It, uh, it is multivocal. It has many different interpretations and meanings. Seder itself comes from, from the Hebrew root, which is three uh, Hebrew letters, Seder, which means order, right? If you think about that prayer book that we use on a day-to-day on a -day basis, we call it a Sidur. Well, a Sidur is an order of our prayers. The Passover Seder is an order of the Seder itself, which has, in some degree, form or fashion, about 15 steps that we take to it to conclude uh, and to uh, fulfill the obligation. So, yeah, so we... Um, it well, is that sounds so, so th you know, when I was reading about and trying to brush up uh, for the show on what exactly is involved with Passover, the Seder meal, um, I could just see that if... if uh, and reading about Christians, there's Christians who take, who take it on, uh, how engaging and interactive it is. It lines up with a liturgical uh, denomination where you sense, you taste, you touch. Everything has rich symbolism. Uh, the, the salt water is the, the tears of the people, right? This is perfect. Uh, so before we get to that, let's get from ground one. It, what happened on the night of the Passover? Take us back to Egypt, my yeah. rabbi. Absolutely. You know, you know, I mean, look, and I'll take a little bit of a, a, a liberty here in terms of uh, the story itself. But, you know, we are told, obviously, we are we are in Egyptian slavery. We are slaves to Pharaoh. And ultimately, God speaks to Moses and says, through the burning bush, you must go to Pharaoh and ask him and demand that your people be free. And of course, Moses comes forward and says, look, I'm a meek person. I, 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 I have problems speaking, you know. And not the right person. And ultimately, God comes back and says, don't worry about it. I will appoint Aaron as your mouthpiece, but you will lead the people. And of course, Moses and through Aaron, Aaron goes to Pharaoh and says, Pharaoh, let my people go. If you do not, then there will be a, a, a magnificent series of plagues that will, 
afflict the Egyptian people. Well, can I interrupt you real quickly? Sorry. In the movie, the famous movie with Charlton Heston, doesn't Charlton Heston say to Pharaoh, let my people go? So that's an interesting, it's an interesting concept. And he's playing Moses, not Aaron. Yes. But if you notice through our text and through the Torah, the first few plagues are communicated through Aaron. Then later, the rest of those plagues actually get communicated through Moses. But he for gets, the majority, he gets, he gets his confidence. He, he gets just his needs, confidence. He needs a show opener. Okay, great. And I think with these plagues, look, you know, the first the first plague obviously being turning the the water, uh, the Nile River into blood, right? Uh, you know, it's like Chicago with the St. Patrick's Day, you know, with the river. Or, London had the same problem about 15 years ago. Somebody dipped a red dye into Trafalgar Square um, and made it red, uh, just actually ironically, on Passover. But, but, you know, when we look at it, turning the water into blood, right? Pharaoh's advisors can do the same thing. There's nothing special or unique about it. And it goes through these series of plagues until the end, that 10th plague, the death of the firstborn, right, is something that Pharaoh uh, and his advisors cannot do. And I think as they see these plagues progress, there is that interesting and yet um, 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 puzzling terminology that gets used that says that, and God hardened Pharaoh's heart, right, which gives us the understanding that perhaps Pharaoh was ready and willing to let the Israelites go. But God hardened Pharaoh's heart perhaps for a reason, maybe to see the, 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 the greater power that, that the God of Israel or the God, our God, was able to provide. Maybe it was to teach Pharaoh a lesson. Maybe it was to teach the Israelites a lesson in, in, in humility or uh, understanding or gratitude towards God. But irrespective of whatever it is, right, effectively God instructs Moses and the people to, right, to bunker down, hunker down in your home, place blood upon the doorpost of your house, on the lentil of your house, so that when God will pass over those houses to smite all the firstborn um, uh, children to, to, to die, um, so, that, so that Pharaoh ultimately lets the people go. Now, now why the answer, blood? Where's the blood? What's the blood come from? From a cat? Blood, from from, from lamb. Yep, from, the, from a lamb. Now, why the lamb? That's, that's key, right? Why the yes. lamb? Yes. Um, so then when we look at it- No, but why lamb? Why, why lamb? It's it's easily easily shepherd. It's uh, it's it's readily available. It wasn't a big symbol yet, though, because it's important for Christians. We you know the blood of the lamb, sacrificial lamb. At that point, was the lamb a sacrificial item that you would sacrifice to God yet, or no? Absolutely, lamb lamb was certainly something you would sacrifice to God. You would bring the the best of your best towards God. Uh, you know, we have this tradition as well, also with you know our patriarchs. Certainly, Jacob, as he made Levan, his father-in-law, a very wealthy man, um, ultimately came together through herding sheep. Um, but yeah, very important. But I think, you know, at the end, especially the 10th plague, after that 10th plague, Pharaoh, of course, says, go, just go. And of course, only after, you know, perhaps we can interpret it as Pharaoh loses a, a or the Egyptians, I should say, lose a great workforce, right? Um, and they had to make up for it. So, of course, when Pharaoh says go and then changes his mind, and, of course, the armies of Pharaoh, uh, of Egypt, pile down to rage against the Israelites. And, of course, we get to, and this is one of the big misnomers, because we just don't know. 
um, you know, we interpret as the Red Sea. And for those that are not familiar with the Red Sea, it is that, um, uh, that area in the Middle East, uh, in southern Israel, uh, that borders Egypt uh, to the left and uh, Jordan to the right um, um, and parts of Saudi Arabia. So, but it's not the Red Sea. We are actually told it is the Sea of Reeds. Mm-hmm. which could be from the Egyptian side a little bit further north. But but that in and of itself, and there's a remarkable story with it that we really don't tell during Passover. And this one's, I think, actually a beautiful story. And it goes with this gentleman by the name of, um, well, and now I'm blanking. It's <laughs> so beautiful. I forgot the name. Just call him Fred. How about Fred? Sure, sure. Right? But there's this story of a man who runs, right? The Israelites are are walking, marching through the desert. But this man, he runs to the sea. Right. He runs to the sea and the water starts climbing. It starts rising, right? And he's, he's getting anxious. He's getting nervous. What's going on, right? The water starts climbing and it climbs up to his knees. It climbs up to his, uh, to his waist, right? To his chest to his neck right and he's kind of freaking out at this point like what's what's going on i thought god was our savior our redeemer right our helper and ultimately it gets up to his uh up to the bridge of his of his nose as it goes up to the bridge of his eyes he takes his last and final breath and at that moment god splits the sea of reeds and they pass through on dry ground and it's this understanding that he was ready to accept he wanted that next that next journey but he had to have faith and his strength of conviction towards God, that God was there. God is there. So when we look at Passover- now where is this story? The story's in a midrash, kind of oh, a, okay. a story the rabbis created. But even when we look at it- These from midrashes that, are great. I'm going to start doing this as a priest. I'm going to start midrashing some scripture. People are like, wait, wait, where is that, Father? i like, don't worry about should. it. Don't worry about it. Some priests came up with it. The story's beautiful. Um, right, but the story itself is actually very curious. We understand the story as obviously the story of the Exodus right? Exodus. We exited out of Egypt. The major players that were involved, right? Aaron, Moses, right? God. Fred. Yeah. Fred. We'll we'll go back to bread uh, for a moment. Uh, Just that understanding that the Israelites did not have enough time for they fled in the middle of the night. And of course, as they fled during the middle of the night, they did not have enough time uh, to bake bread uh, on their way. So they baked these cakes that, 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 effectively became matzah, right? And, and you know, the interesting thing with matzah is that from the second you start, and really it's just flour and water, right? Flour, water, you mix it together, you pour it out, from start to finish must be 18 minutes. Anything above 18 minutes, it will rise a little bit higher and actually will in some way become bread. So 18 minutes is matzah. Um, but, you know, the whole understanding is when we look at those characters, we have what we call a Passover Seder, right? An order of our prayers, an order of how the, how the service and our rituals become. But yet Moses is not mentioned at all in our text. And I think Moses is not mentioned for good reason. And the reason I think that Moses is not mentioned, and you might be able to find in the actual terminology for the book that we read is called a Haggadah. And you might find, and there are hundreds of thousands of different Haggadot that are out there. Um, but the reason you may see it as a passing glance in one Haggadah, others do not have Moses' name mentioned at all. 
was because the Seder itself was created after the destruction of the Second Temple in 70 CE uh, by the Romans. And as it started climbing after, you know, the first, second century, when we started really implementing this, this, this Seder was based on the rabbi's interpretation, roughly around, give or take, 1800 years ago. And their understanding was that if we put Moses's, Moses in, what it does is it locates Moses in a specific time and place. However, the Passover story is a constantly unfolding story before us. So that if we don't place Moses there, that the story takes on new significance year after year after year. And yeah, when rabbis- you were talking about the story before, you said, I haven't heard it put this way. You said when, the, when Pharaoh changes his mind after releasing the enslaved uh, Israelites, so he, the Jews. So he, he releases them and they go and they're realizing people are like, what are you doing? That's our economy. And it just the similarities with the states of like, whoa, 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 Lincoln, what are you doing? That's our economy. And then changes their mind. He's like, well, let's just create uh, Jim Crow. And let's just create some Jim Crow laws because we kind of need to suppress this again. Is that we, there are there is a major cost when you do the right thing and you have to know how to deal with it. Um, this is, so let, let, let's back up because from, from a Christian perspective, we're trying to understand for, for Christians, we, we're going to get to this sacrificial lamp for us. We are, we are on the eve of Holy Week. Palm Sunday is this Sunday. This is the day that Jesus is entering in Jerusalem. And this is the, why does he pick this week? He picks this week because, and correct me if I'm wrong, this time of, of Passover in what, let's, let's call it 33 AD, there would have been tons of Jews flocking to Jerusalem, right? It's one of the three big holidays. So you've got all these folks coming to Jerusalem tons of Jews there and for Jesus to make this statement of this the salvific moment of forgiveness this is one of the key times right he picked basically the Super Bowl halftime show um, of Judaism in order for him to make this public display of the crucifixion um, and to teach so so correct me if I'm wrong here Rabbi it would have been jamming it would have been Miami during spring break post-COVID right now in Jerusalem during Passover in 33 AD are you even listening to me? No, he's frozen. Okay, so this is this is this we have Jesus in Jerusalem at 33 A.D. during Passover. So Christians, it's important for us to know this that how um, Jesus picks this 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 time. And, and he's, he goes into Jerusalem, and only in John does he go into Jerusalem multiple times. But in the Synoptic Gospels, he is in there. He only goes for one time, and that's to come in there for the crucifixion. And so he's speaking to a Jewish audience that already understands this idea of a sacrificial lamb. And now Jesus is going to pick this time of Passover. And in John's Gospel, he, doesn't, uh, he ends up being sacrificed and this is on Good Friday, crucified um, on the night of Passover. And so John is saying, now no longer do you need to put a sacrificial lamb up to be sacrificed. This is what he's saying to his Jewish audience. On this night, now Jesus becomes the sacrificial lamb. I am the final sacrifice. So just as Rabbi Durbin was just talking about that you have to go out and get the sacrificial lamb, place him up and sacrifice him. Then now Jesus is saying, I am the replacement for that. And I am the final one. And so no longer do all your sins have to go upon this animal. Place all your sins on me. And this is eternal. 
moving into the eternal life, heaven here on earth. Um, so every time I start talking about Jesus a lot, Rabbi decides to just tap off. So his, his Zoom decided to stop, but now he's back. Um, <laughs> so Rabbi Dick Durbin, I was just talking about how um, that the season that Jesus picks to come into Jerusalem is the season of Passover. And I was equating the mob or the amount of people who would have been in Jews who would have been in Jerusalem at this time for Passover is similar to the amount of kids we've seen in Miami over the last couple of weeks here in Miami. Um, is, is that true that we would have like just, it's a big holiday. So there'd be a lots of worshipers coming to Jerusalem from all over. Yeah, so so Passover itself is, is, is known um, in our circles in Judaism as the Shalosh Regalim. Now that means three regal in Hebrew is a leg, three-legged festival. There are only three in Judaism that are major, major festivals. And it starts with Passover. 49 days later on the 50th day will be what we call Shavuot, which is when we were given the law, given God's, uh, given the Torah, given the Ten Commandments. And then after Yom Kippur, we have another holiday called Sukkot, when we lived in temporary booths um, in the desert, in our desert dwellings. Those three were notoriously known through our circles as a pilgrim festival. The three times a year we would make holy pilgrimage to Jerusalem as a community. Yes, that's right. And so you could say that, I think Christians will say, so Shuvot, right? Is, is, is that the one with, 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 we went to your house in the backyard? With, with no, the... that, that's Sukkot, Sukkot. Man, do you have Shuv, Shuvot and Sukkot? Okay. Um, all right, so what I want to do before we, we're, we're about to go into halftime here and uh, hear from our, our, our sponsors, but what I want to get into the second half of the show is, is go through the Passover meal and see what, how Rabbi Durbin can teach us Christians why maybe it's a good thing for us to practice Passover, what we can learn and how we become more faithful people to our one and true God and why you do these different steps. I've looked at different Christians and Christian leaders who practice Passover who would practice Passover, what they learned and gained from it. And so um, perhaps this might be something for you as a listener out there. Listen, remember, Jesus was a Jew, born a Jew, circumcised a Jew, died a Jew. Um, and to understand Jesus, you need to understand his Jewish heritage. And when Jesus read from scripture, he wasn't reading the Christian scripture, obviously, because he wasn't there was no Christian scripture. He was reading Hebrew scripture. We have to understand our Judaic roots to fully comprehend who Jesus was and who we are as Judeo-Christians. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. Rabbi Dick Durbin will keep on breaking this down for us to make us into better followers of Jesus. All right, stay with us on A Priest and a Rabbi. You're listening to a priest and a rabbi podcast. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe and please leave a rating and a review, five-star rating and a positive review if you can. We certainly appreciate it. That is the best way to make sure that others out there just like you can find this podcast. If you want to get in contact with Father Christian and Rabbi Durbin, you can do so by emailing a priest and a rabbi at gmail.com. And the absolute best way 
to get a hold of the fellas is to call into the radio show. This podcast airs live on the radio every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. on WSTU 1450. And you can listen live online at WSTU1450.com. And if you want to join the show, you can call in to 772-220-9788. That's 772-220-WSTU. Hey, everyone. This is Father Christian here on A Priest and a Rabbi. So happy for you to be here on this podcast with us. And and I want to uh, let you know that I have uh, started a uh, YouTube channel called Your Favorite Christian. And you can check it out on YouTube. And uh, every Monday, I drop a new episode. And it's always through the lens of faith, but taking on different topics such as dating, relationships, marriage, pop culture. Uh, I've done one recently where I went out to the art show and talked about how do we find our relationship with God through all the what all the latest artists are doing. Um, last week was what do women really want um, in a man uh, and interviewing different people to be a part of that. So uh, please check that out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, share, uh, put on the notifications so you get that every Monday. Um, I also want to let you know of uh, we this podcast wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a generous donor from St. Mary's Episcopal Church who wishes to remain anonymous. All he asked, though, was that um, the information gets out that St. Mary's Episcopal Church here in Stewart has a healing center. And so you can call if you're looking for a counselor or someone to be there for you during a challenging time. And you can call the church at 772-287-3244. We also have a group of Stephen ministers who have been trained over 50 hours of training to be with you and walk with you during a time of crisis. They are not counselors. They are trained just to be more of the presence um, of, of Christ or and, and walk with you during a time of crisis, whether it's a, a good crisis of having, oh my gosh, my daughter's about to get married, or if there's something a little bit heavier. So give us a call, 772-287-3244, and I thank that anonymous donor who uh, makes this all possible. All right, God bless you, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. everybody welcome back to a priest and a rabbi this is father christian for part two of this riveting episode that is changing your life every second because we have with us the most endearing and handsomest rabbi you've seen this side of the jordan river it is matthew uh rabbi matthew dick durbin who is uh, my colleague and today we're talking about passover it's the season tomorrow for jews is passover but what does that mean it's also a season for us as christians and for us to really understand Easter, for us to understand Good Friday, we really need to understand what does it mean for Passover. Jesus practiced Passover. Jesus goes into Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. And so, now Rabbi Durbin is going to jump in and attack me about this. But if, that, if that's the case, right, and we know that Jesus did obviously celebrate Passover because it's obviously biblical. Uh, and, and, and obviously our text does tell us that uh, and these holidays will be there, an enduring holiday for all time. So if Jesus did practice and celebrate Passover. Why is it that today in 2021, you guys don't do that as part of your well-established and well-ingrained ritual or, or, or process? I mean, I mean, I can understand as Jews, you know, there are very few things in this world that we can claim as our own. Certainly Passover is one of them. Um, and we know, and there have been more progressive um, uh, abilities to involve interfaith through interfaith satyrs for past. I get that, but why is it that as Christians or Christianity doesn't observe Passover? 
Well, this is a great question, Rabbi Durbin. Uh, during the Eucharistic prayer, there is a moment. So we bring everyone up. You know, we have the altar, uh, the Eucharist, and the altar table is the time when Christ is sacrificed for us. And there's a time when I lift up the elements, the bread, and I break it. And I say, Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. So essentially, everything that happens at the altar, the Last Supper, everything that happens at the altar is that Passover meal. So the way that we take it, because it all comes down to Jesus. Jesus is the last sacrificial lamb. So that when you tuned out and you got sick of listening to me and your Zoom gave up on you, um, I was sharing with the audience that how uh, Jesus, when he does the Passover meal, he does it on Good Friday night. So he is the, so Thursday is the meal, but Friday is, or actually Thursday, sorry, is the foot washing. So Friday night, is when he is sacrificed, and that would have been Passover. So Jesus replaces all of that Passover meal with himself. It's this whole movement that we believe with the Messiah, that he has come to fulfill all 613 laws. He comes to fulfill everything. So he is the one. So no longer is it following all these laws. We follow him. He is the embodiment of the law, the manifestation of the law. Do and act and walk as he does. Be sacrificial as he does. Put ourselves up on the cross as he does for one another. Give love. So therefore... What the Apostle Paul was saying when he came into the Gentiles was like, listen, don't have to worry about those 613 laws. This guy is the Messiah. He's the manifestation of all those laws. So do as he does. And those two main things are what, love the what, Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor. So that doesn't mean walk, doing the Passover meal because Jesus is the Passover meal. No, I get that. But, and, but, you know, and I guess, I guess this is one of you know, a Jewish challenge, you know, trying, to, trying to come to terms with stuff with Christianity. But I guess, I guess my, my question would be, is it about reinventing or is it about what was done in the past was done in the past? And we, as a, you know, to do something new, I mean, how does that, I mean, I understand that the Passover Seder itself obviously happened after Jesus's death. So he, he couldn't have celebrated the structural understanding of a Seder. I get that. But, but I guess um, in terms of repeat that for our listeners, that's an important fact to say, because as you pointed out, Stained glass windows and some other things might show a Seder meal happening. And if you ever hear a Christian saying Jesus was practicing a Seder, uh, not true, right? Right? Yeah, not true. Um, um, look, I'm not, I'm certainly not negating the fact that Jesus most likely probably that last summer was a Passover meal, but it was not a Seder. Although when you look at depictions and you look at pictures, um, it is kind of strange that amongst that table, amongst all of his disciples is, you know, wine obviously a symbol of our joy a symbol of our freedom a symbol of of life um but then you see you know heaping you know things of bread on that table well if it was passover why would there be bread on that table um you know it, it, it's kind it of was like clearly the, created by christians and not by jews sure. they didn't consult their their local jewish historian and be like is this right it's sort of like you know in churches everyone is white on the stained glass windows and no one looks like they're from the middle east or sure. uh, it's sure. Um, or it's like the, the faux pas that the labor government did uh, 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 a couple of years ago uh, with Jeremy Corbyn at its head, where Jeremy Corbyn wished all the Jewish people a wonderful and meaningful Passover season this year uh, with uh, two loaves of bread. Uh, <laughs> you know, and then, of course, of course, of course, blamed it on an aide who said that, uh, you know, it was a it was a miscommunication. It's always a miscommunication uh, in, in today's world. It's a quick Google search to get the information correct before we do it. But, you know, it's, it, it's so, I don't know, I, I, I've always been struck by that in terms of Christianity, in terms of, you know, 
why certain things are observed and why certain things are not. Yeah. Um, you know, so. So, so yeah, so so for, for us, it all comes down to, and this is the this is the jump that the apostle Peter and the apostle Paul did post. So after Jesus has ascended into heaven, gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit to move the church on, on earth, the breath, the breath of God. And Peter is the one like you saying, guys, we're Jews. We're Jews who have found the Messiah. So therefore we practice everything under Judaism. That's what we do. And then on the other hand, you have all these Gentiles who have shown up, who are following pagans, following other things, pagan gods, who say, we love this guy, Jesus. We're in for Jesus. We want to love our neighbors ourselves. We want to love God. We want to um, believe that all of our sins are forgiven through this guy, Jesus on the cross. And he resurrected. He, he, this, he clearly is God. But they don't understand anything about the Judaic tradition. Paul makes the big step to say, in looking at Jesus' words, that saying Jesus is now the fulfillment because Jesus doesn't have the law. He's the fulfillment. So it, it's all the practices, the traditions, everything. Because Jesus didn't deny in those. He practiced the Passover meal. He was a good Jew. He was mm -hmm. in the temple. Uh, but for now the movement, the Jesus movement, and Jesus is the, now we're about the transformation of the soul and the soul alone and to be forgiven of our sins. And that doesn't have to be through the, he is the law. And I think what Jesus came for us, we think that at that time, the followers of God were getting too caught up in the law and too lost in the law and not, not, and not allowing the law to change their heart. And so Jesus, time and time again, his criticism of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which is really sad, you see. I like your pun. Thank you. And it's, it's an important distinction that you just mentioned. I think it's, it's, it's great, right? The Pharisees. Jesus was a Pharisee, and Probably. I think, right, if we're not familiar with the term, that term changes, and it changes from being Pharisaic Judaism, right, mm. to Rabbinic Judaism, mm. and Rabbinic Judaism is what we have today, which is constantly evolving and constantly moving, but, it, you know, I, 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 guess, I guess the question I had for you, too, was, you know, and I know we've had this, this, this conversation and this, 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 this issue many times. But if we're saying that Jesus is the embodiment of God and that Jesus is the Messiah, right? Where does the ownership and the responsibility, where does it lie? Does the responsibility lie upon me? Is it incumbent upon me as an individual to make my right choices? To, you know, there are obviously consequences to my actions or can I just go back on the, on the, on the coattails and say, well, I erred, I sinned, Jesus, forgive me of my sin, and I'm absolved of sin as opposed to deflecting responsibility upon myself by saying, I take ownership, I take responsibility. Although I love and I adhere to my main man, Jesus, this is all about me and mm -hmm. how I can change. Mm-hmm. I mean, so how does that work within, you know, your faith being being Episcopal um, and Church of England? Like, what does that mean? Yeah, I mean, is there great question. It's really good question. So, so, so the letter of James, to James's, uh, Jesus's brother, James, uh, writes in his letter uh, that he says that, you know, that, that your works need to show your salvation. And so therefore, if your works are, are not producing, they don't resemble the kingdom of God then you've clearly missed the, the, the salvific moment. So people can say, you know, I've been saved by Jesus, I'm saved. And, and now I'm all good. Well, James is saying, I don't know about that. 
if, if you're still out there acting like uh, a selfish person and you're full of pride and you're full of lust and there's all these things going on, you don't just say, Jesus, forgive me and I'm all good. Um, you, you, maybe that salvific moment, that one moment, you have to revisit that and go back because maybe you're just, you're, you're being like you said, a little too selfish and just saying, I'm good. Jesus has got me. It's fine. I'm not taking ownership of this. Cause so, so we don't do exactly what you're talking about by saying I'm saved by grace and everything's all good to me. No, mm-hmm. that, that the idea is, uh, so when I sin in the morning, every morning during morning prayer, the confession is always the most powerful part. I had to get real with Jesus and say, my, I'm, I'm arrogant, I'm prideful, I'm lustful, I'm all these things that I, that, that I can look over the last 24 hours and say, now please forgive me and help me become better today. And individual, what does it look like to be less prideful, to be less selfish? Uh, and, and Jesus, give me the power to do that. But if I'm not honest with him and I don't lay it down before him, um, then, then that, doesn't, that doesn't happen. I can't just say, Lord, forgive me. Well, what does that mean? So I have to be honest and authentic about it. But the power of the Messiah is that now he takes those sins upon the cross uh, and from me so I can start fresh and repent. As you and I talked a couple episodes back, everyone go, please check that out. That was a shameless pride. I mean, shameless uh, promotion of our, of our podcast. When I repent, that means I turn, I shift my mind through the power of Christ. I can do that. Um, so, but it's interesting because it, 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 it sounds like the understanding that once I take ownership and responsibility and accountability for my actions or my deeds, only then when I have that self-recognition and that self-awareness, am I able to go to a higher source? Yes? Yes. Christianity, I think any faith demands, yeah, demands incredible self-awareness, right? I think so. Because then if not, then, then, well, look, look what we have. Um, so my wife was just pointing out to me, there's this uh, pastor. This, 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 well, I think he's more like a, he's a, he's a love coach and he has written books and he's a, he's a Christian, big Christian leader too, written books on why men cheat and how to be a good man and how to love on women and helping women find good men and et cetera, et cetera. And so he's written literally books on the cheating mind. Mm. All right. This dude, the other day gets checked for literally cheating on his wife multiple times, okay? So he has, his self-awareness was lost. Even though he's a full-fledged Christian, he's preaching about Christianity, blah, 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 Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. His self-awareness of who he is and who he really is, is done like internally, he just got caught up in it as anyone could be tempted. I'm not saying anyone's not, no one's above it, but his self-awareness stunk. And so when he got down on his knees every single morning and confessed to God, I think his pride got in the way. Um, and I'm not saying this judgmentally, so this can happen to all of us. He, the, the, there must have been a lack of awareness to say, God, I'm slipping. I am slipping. And I need to be honest with you. I am messing this up. And please save my soul and help me do better and save my family. Um, we believe that when you do that, the power, authentically and truly, the power of God will come into you and give you the track to better your life if you authentically lay down at the cross. But if you're not being honest, you're not being truthful and, and, and surrender really your life and being humble, it, it, you don't stand a chance. You'll, you'll, mm. you'll crumble every time. You know, it's, some would say Satan's got you, but, but you have to just, you just pour yourself out. So, but I still think, even though that we believe that Jesus is the manifestation of all the law, that there's so much to still learn. You know, you and I have done exchanges where our youth have come together. We did Seder meals. But there's, there's, I just really want to touch upon this, that for, for the, there's, 
there's nothing wrong with practicing the Passover. It's a beautiful thing, a Passover meal. And I was just reading of a Christian pastor who does this. She, she did it one year with her family. She, she went through all the steps. So she cleaned her house, right? So that's one step of the cleaning of the house. And for her, and I want you to explain what that means, but for her, what she learned from that is that the cleaning of the house with her family and really cleaning it, it helped her reflect on sin. And sin is like the dirt in our house. And no matter how much you clean and no matter how much you try to get to the bottom, there's always some still residue. It's always still waiting around. And you have to be hyper aware of this stuff, uh, but also have grace that you, you can't be perfect with it. And so she just a reflection of sin for her. It's like the dirt in her house. You do what you can to clean it, but it's always there. So you best thank God for God to forgive you and make you get better. Um, you've talked about that. So during Passover, the Passover season, you will with your family and your daughters, you guys do that. What is that like? Is that more just more tradition? And this is what makes us Jews? Or is there some kind of spiritual reflection that goes along with it? Well, I think I think it's 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 about the preparation. Right. I mean, the easiest way to, 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 to describe it is, you know, when you and Anastasia got married, right, there was a lot of prep leading up to that moment that you got married. It's the same issue with Passover, right? Passover comes in tomorrow night, but there is preparation that's done before Passover can occur, at least seemingly in some, uh, if not, you know, majority of observant households. You know, one is ridding our house of chametz, and chametz is leavened products, right? Chametz. I know for for, for me, you know, I, I, we, we have, you know, most of our stuff uh, in our pantry uh, that this afternoon when my kids get home from school, we're going to start putting into boxes and uh, getting it out of our house. So, you know, any, any pasta, any um, um, bread, certainly any, any, any pasta products that are not opened, we actually have a big drive that we're going to be donating to House of Hope. Um, that we'll be, we'll be doing because it is important. But the tradition is get the chametz, the leaven products out of our house. And I think it is intentional. It is also a reminder of what we're doing. Um, and of course, depending on one's observancy, what does that mean, right? Uh, you know, if you look at, at major institutions or major, uh, major businesses out there, Coca-Cola, for example, Pepsi, um, Coke does something interesting, as does Pepsi. Uh, they remove the corn syrup out of their uh, manufacturing process as they make uh, Coke or Pepsi. Um, but not always, but certainly kosher for Passover Coke and kosher for Passover uh, Pepsi uh, has removed the corn syrup and replaced it with, you know, sugar cane, uh, you know, aspartame, whatever it is, something that is not um, corn syrup. For Ashkenazi Jews, corn syrup traditionally, corn, uh, you can't eat, right? It is taboo uh, amongst the many of our foods that we cannot eat during Passover. Because Now, of course, there are some who do eat it. There are some Jews who just go by the letter of the law of leavened products. So it would be, right, pasta, pasta, uh, bread, uh, you know, anything. I'm glad like you translated that for me. I was getting lost. Every time you said pasta, I was like, what's he talking about? Pasta. Is, is that um, your Toronto is, accent? Is, 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 is that what that is? It's a mutt accent. Um, yeah. Right, but there are also two different traditions. One is the Ashkenazi tradition, which is Eastern Europe, the Eastern European experience, which says that, look, on Passover, there are certain foods that are iconic that we have to eat, that are indigenous to where we live. Eastern Europe, very big on the potato, right? The potato grows in Eastern Europe. Well, if we remove the potato, that removes a staple from the diet to which obviously, right, there are challenges. 
Sephardic Jews, on the other hand, which are Spain, North Africa, and the Middle East, right? Those, those people um, traditionally do eat certain foods that Ashkenazi Jews don't eat. They eat rice, because rice, of course, is the main staple in Spain, North Africa, and the Middle so East. Do they remove it or no? No, they eat it. They can eat rice, whereas Ashkenazi Jews do not eat rice. Okay, so let me ask a question. So what this is where the Christians would say, or at least uh, uh, this Christian is going to ask. So as, as you're saying, so Christians, why don't you practice all the stuff that God laid down? It's in the scripture um, for the Passover. Then, so the, the Christian mindset on hearing everything you say is, um, how, how are all those practices bringing you closer to your relationship with God? And, or are they really just done more for tradition? Which is fine because because Judaism has something that Christianity has does not have, which is this rich cultural history. There's so much culture. Christianity doesn't have that because we're you know so young compared to Judaism. So this is culture that's really important as well um, that goes along with it. And what comes out there's tradition, seasons, and stuff. Sure, I think it's a bit of both. I think that there there's obviously the 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 overlying kind of you know theme of of tradition. We've been doing it the same way for X amount of uh, centuries, if not millennia. Um, I think what, what, what it does show, especially, look, if you were to do a Google search on Haggadah for Passover, I mean, you'll have hundreds of thousands of different Haggadot that you can use, that you can choose from, right? We're adding more to it. We're, we're making it more accessible. The text itself doesn't change um, because there are certain right, ritualistic and, and um, structure to it. But I think, I think it is tradition. And I think on the other hand, I think it is about our ability within ourselves to be aware. Awareness, I think, is very big, especially during Passover. I deny myself certain foods because of my tradition to which hopefully brings me closer or a deeper appreciation of the divine. And I think when we deny ourselves, much like the same message on Yom Kippur, right? We deny ourselves uh, pleasure. We deny ourselves food as a fast. At the end of the day, I think that that fast enables us to really soul search and to go deeper. Same thing with Passover. Right? Is that your sermon or is that what you're teaching and preaching during this time to kind of- It is. I mean, you know, that? it's interesting. So my, my, my kids see it the same way too, right? My kids go to school, they get lunches. My kids had asked, can we buy lunches next week at school? No. I'm sorry, you can't. Well, why not? Because it's Passover. Oh, so my kids will go to school with matzah and you know and some food. It separates them. It makes them different in some way. Uh, obviously, because they're not eating what they would, you know, three hundred and whatever uh, fifty-eight days a year. Uh, but there's something there that is mindful, that is intentional, uh, that that brings. Hopefully you think they get it that that brings them into a, a deep understanding or at least an understanding of the divine? I think so. Okay. So do you battle this as a rabbi that uh, I hear a lot from from folks more and more these days is that they'll say I'm a cultural Jew, uh, I, I but I'm an atheist, right? So I think uh, I, I I dated a gal at one point um, who who said this. So I'm a secular humanist Jew. I I don't believe in God, but uh, I, I'm I'm a cultural Jew. Uh, how often do you hear that 
And then what do you do with that as a, as a God-fearing man? Do you just say, hey, I just walk with you where you're at and let's just do the tradition? Or inside, are you thinking like, okay, have you finally made the relationship between what this tradition means to God? Because that's the only well, reason. I think, I think that there's, there, there's, there's two issues there. One, I shouldn't say issue. There are two challenges there. One is the one who says, I am, I'm a, excuse me, I'm a cultural Jew. That's different than being an atheist who doesn't believe in God. That's right. right. Okay. And I think I think the cultural Jew says, I identify with certain key components of Judaism, but I'm not observant. I may not celebrate Shabbat. I may not celebrate holidays or festivals, with the exception of Passover, because most Jews do, right? But I, I have a close affinity to the land of Israel, the Jewish people, whatever connection. For the atheist who says, I don't believe in God, there's a part of me that says, Let's explore that in terms of at what point did you either lose faith, lose an understanding of God, or where did God change, or where was that trauma or that or that challenge that brought you to that moment? Because I, I don't think that we're born with this. If we're born into a seemingly a semi-observant family, any family who imparts religion upon their 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 own family. I don't think that there's one who says, I just don't believe. Now, I understand that there's rationality. Show me. If I can't see God, then w what are we here for? Right? Um, but is there a struggle, though, with, with, with that? Do you, do you find more? Because I, I, I find that sometimes in the Episcopal Church, there'll be folks uh, who are atheists to attend because they feel comfortable and invited and, and they feel like it's an hospitable place to come and say, listen, I don't know if I believe in God at all. I just want to be part of community. I like the coffee and your sermons are a little ridiculous and make me laugh, right? So, so, so they're there, but they're not really there for the, the tradition or the culture or to be around other Christians. They don't have, we don't have that history as, as you as Jews. So do you, do you find that, do you have to sometimes struggle with that, that you have this group of people who are not really there for God? They're really there because they want to be with their fellow Jewish sisters and brothers because it, it's nice to be with you with your with your with your uh, tribe, especially if your tribe is being uh, uh, you have to deal with anti-Semitism and there's just things that these folks get it. So I, I know we're at the end of the show here, but and maybe we'll pick this up in a different episode. But is that is that ever do you find that ever a struggle that when you have things like Passover and you're dealing with these great traditions, is that uh, are you is everyone really getting? how this makes us brings us closer to the divine because in the church people show up because they're really searching for the divine because there's really not much else there except the coffee which is not that good but i think that there's something important that what you just said with regarding coffee right what is coffee it is about socialization it's about being together right what is passover really about we recall a story that is you know biblical and from ancient days it brings us closer in some way to our family and our friends we tell the same story, we reenact the same story year after year, and at the same time, we get the opportunity to share a meal together and enjoy each other's company while celebrating our freedom with the understanding that is the expressed ideology out of our out of our tradition, out of our Haggadah, that says, look, we say at the end of our Seder, L'Shanah Haba next mm. year in Jerusalem. Now, that doesn't mean that we're all going to uproot and go to Jerusalem and celebrate Passover there, but what it does mean, metaphorically, is that Yes, next year, may we spiritually be more connected to Israel, maybe be more spiritually connected to Jerusalem, but even above and beyond, 
beyond that, eight year old are free. And we have a responsibility and a stern obligation to try and aid the stranger, aid the oppressed, so that all people in this world may be free. And I know that it is a far-fetched ideology and phrase that we say, but it's something that I think is personally for me as a Jew and as a rabbi takes on immense meaning by the end of the building and a moral obligation that people who are being oppressed, it's not fair. Yeah. We know what it's like. We know That's what fair. it's like. I'll never forget the time when, when we started working for Saved Our Four out in Los Angeles and we were doing marches and stuff. The first people to show up uh, were many of the Jewish uh, uh, communities to come out because they would say never again, never again. Um, and so they're out there marching for what was happening to the folks in Darfur. Um, so walking the walk is key. Well, we let everyone, this is another episode of A Priest and a Rabbi. We hope you enjoyed it. If you missed any part of it and you want to know more, please check out our podcast. Just, just, just search A Priest and a Rabbi and also like our Facebook page, A Priest and a Rabbi Podcast on Facebook, A Priest and a Rabbi Podcast. Jump on there. You can put questions on there. You can talk to um, uh, Rabbi Durbin. You're not going to want to talk to me. I'm boring. But he's got, he's much smarter and handsomer and he will answer all your questions about Judaism, about Passover. Uh, we'll be here next Friday as well. It will be Good Friday, the highest, one of the highest holy days for the Christian religion. And that time, Dur uh, Dick Durbin will be asking me questions about what does it mean. God bless you all. We're going to see you next Friday here at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on A Priest and a Rabbi. Peace and Shalom. <laughs>